0: On this week's NFV SD and Reality Check, we'll take a look back at last week's Mobile World Congress event with PWC's Dan Hayes, as well as dig deeper into Etsy's NFV phase two work.
1: Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board, telecomcareers.com.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on NFV SD and Reality Check. I'm your host, Dan Meyer, Editor-in-Chief of RCR Wireless News. The annual Mobile World Congress event played out last week with the wireless telecom world focused on Barcelona for the latest in industry news. Joining me today to discuss some of the bigger announcements from the show is Dan Hayes, Principal and U.S. Mobile Services Advisory Leader at consultant firm PwC. Dan, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
2: Hey, Dan. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here.
0: Great. Well, hopefully you've uh, decompressed a bit from the events from last week, obviously. Uh, it seems like the show has gotten bigger and bigger. I think you mentioned earlier, we're talking off, off screen here, the fact that it's, uh, the show is definitely bigger than it was last year. So uh, obviously the the telecom world has not slowed down much at all.
2: Yeah, well, I think they reported this year uh, something like 93,000 of our uh, closest friends all in, <laughs> all in one convention center. So, yeah, it was a great time, and it really is an exciting event that that brings the whole industry together.
0: Yeah, well, I guess looking at the show this year, so, I mean, what you know, to you looking at, I guess, the big picture of things, what was maybe the big, some of the big announcements that you saw from the show or some of the big trends you saw coming from the event this year?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think in the, in the NFE and SDN world, there was definitely a lot of talk, and I know that many of our clients that we met with at Mobile World Congress were really focused on on looking at the value proposition for NFE and SDN you know, the the question that we heard over and over was, how do I make the business case work? What's the, you know, what's the value proposition and the financials that are going to make NFV a reality, you know, for the mobile operator? And you know, the, the answer is that for for every operator, it's going to be a little bit different. It in some ways it depends what environment they are, where they're in their life cycle, um, you know, and and what they want to do with it. So it, it's really it starts with a strategy and then it's going to have to translate into the business case, but we're seeing a lot of activity and, you know, interestingly some of the, some of the operators that are, you know, right here in the United States are, are really being viewed as being on the bleeding edge uh, when it comes to NFV, and so I think there's going to be a lot of focus on what happens over the next one to two years and what we do right here in the, U- in the U.S.
0: Interesting, and I mean, I guess obviously that business case model. I and mean, I know I've talked to a lot of the operators, and a lot of a lot of other analysts on the topic. And that seems like that is still kind of that big challenge: is trying to make the the numbers work on this. <clears throat> has there, I mean, has progress been made? Do you think along along these lines, or is it still uh, a work in progress until you kind of get the numbers quite right, where there's a, I guess, a bigger push for this?
2: Yeah, I think it's very much a work in progress. Um, you know, th- while while there's a lot of interest and even I would I would dare say a, a degree of commitment uh, from from many of the operators, they're still trying to figure out the scale and the scope of what of how they're going to apply NFV, how deeply in the network it goes, and it, it, in most cases the operators just are having trouble seeing the feasibility of a. Of a rip and replace type of mentality, right? It, it, the economics for those things just so rarely work, and, and so what you what you're hearing from the operators is, what's the right timing? What's the way that I can get NFE into my network? Maybe it's in conjunction with a network upgrade or an increased, you know, uh, an increase in capacity. I do it as part of my my capital plan, and they're really starting to look at how do I offset potentially some of the other investments that I make.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, and I know 5G is still kind of out there a bit, but it does seem like perhaps timing wise, maybe the 5G move and NFE move can maybe come together at some point. And that could be maybe one of those little entry points for it. But, but yeah, it does seem like that's still kind of, like you said, that rip and replace model, that scares operators. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a huge investment. <laughs> you know, they've got a yeah. lot of equipment out there. So.
2: Yeah, and, the, you know, the question for mobile operators is 5G too far away, and do they want to take advantage of NFV before, before then? Yeah. I think that's what they're really wrestling
0: with. Yeah, And it's interesting to hear you say the fact that it does seem like the U.S. is still kind of at the, at the leading edge of this, because, I mean, obviously, you know, in the whole LTE move, uh, you know, the U.S. kind of took a le- leadership position, in the U.S. And, and to extent Asia, really above Europe, and, and kind of pushing that out there. Uh, and I know Europe is still perhaps a bit smarting from the fact that they were perhaps left a little bit behind there. Uh, and now they're pushing 5G, but it seems like this virtualization move, again, the U.S. being at the forefront, interesting to hear that. That's kind of the, the view around the world, really, too.
2: Yeah, and we did see some European operators with announcements in Barcelona, you know, talking about NFV. Uh, but I think, you know, they, they still, even in talking with some of them, they still view the U.S. as being out ahead, you know, in many regards.
0: Interesting, interesting. Well, I guess maybe taking a step back and to look at the at the show, a bigger picture at the show. You know, what else did you see that came from the event? Obviously, you were there. I know you you covered that thing pretty exhaustively. I don't want to let you go without getting your your bigger picture view of the show as well. But what else did you see at the event that kind of maybe caught your attention or you thought that was really kind of maybe some of the bigger trends coming from the uh, telecom market?
2: Yeah, it was an exciting show in many ways, and I think that you know some of the bigger things that came out were probably the ones that traditionally don't get a lot of uh, a lot of coverage. You know. It, mobile World Congress 2015 was actually quite unexciting when it comes to mobile devices. Uh, you know, that's been the hallmark for many years of, of the show. But, you know, when you look at it, not not a lot of real hardcore innovation there. There were some interesting things. I mean, my, my favorite, perhaps, was the uh, the, the circular uh, device that was uh, debuted, a circular mobile phone uh, oh, yeah. kind of akin to a pocket watch. Uh, I thought that was pretty clever. I'm not sure... Not sure whether I would use one or not, but <laughs> but I get it. Um, <laughs> but, but there were some pretty interesting moves there. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was how focused the event was on unlicensed spectrum in general. Um, you know, this industry forever in a day has been very focused on on licensed, owned, and controlled spectrum, but this year at Mobile World Congress, we saw a tremendous focus on. On unlicensed, and that included Wi-Fi, which of course has been around for a long time but is getting some increased attention from operators. And then perhaps most interestingly it included LTE unlicensed, which was a a huge focus for the event. And I think is is for the first time you know being looked at seriously by the industry as a lever for how they can can really take advantage of unlicensed spectrum, maybe reduce their capital requirements. Um, but use that to increase capacity and coverage acro- across the industry. That was really fascinating, and you even see some of the over the top players starting to talk about that very topic. Um, you know in addition to, in addition to spectrum, I guess the other thing that was uh, widely talked about, particularly in light of of some of the deals that have gone on the last couple of months, ha- was mobile payments. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's been something that of course, you know people have talked about for years in Barcelona. Uh, about you know, how this was going to be the future, but I think some of the announcements that were there, some of the new offerings, um, really make mobile payments much more of a reality. Mm-hmm. And you know now, I think for the first time in the industry, we're really past the question of, okay, what will be the technical solutions for mobile payments? And now it's going to be really all about consumer adoption. Will people really use them at the point of sale, and, and can we stop carrying our wallets around, right? I mean, that's the, the panacea for all of us, right? <laughs> Just carrying my mobile phone and be able to do everything with it. Um, that, that was really exciting. And then I guess the, the, the last thing that I would say for, for Mobile World Congress in terms of interesting topics was a, a lot of talk this year about the relationships between the operators and the over-the-top players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what that means in terms of going forward, business models, revenue, and collaboration to, to increase the penetration of mobile, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we take advantage of, uh, or, or sort of assume that everyone has a smartphone at this point, but half the world, more than half the world still doesn't. Sure. And I think the, over the, the message from the over-the-top community in Barcelona, and they had a big presence. Was, it was really, we want to help create the models that are going to increase adoption of mobile data and smartphones around the world. And, and it, it's good to see that part of the industry really being a bit more vocal and, and having more presence there. Uh, even though there are still probably more unanswered questions than than there are answers.
0: Yeah, and that's a great part of that show, I think. You know, it's been a couple years since I've been to the show, but you know, I've gone there quite a few times in the past. But it's always great to get that international perspective because, again, you know, the attendees are from India, they're from Africa, they're from countries that aren't as developed as perhaps Europe and the U.S. and the parts of Asia. Um, so you do get that insight in the fact that hey, you know, we have a, a certain view of the fact that yeah, everybody has a smartphone here. But you're right, half the world, you know, people have still got their basic Nokia phones, and that's kind of you know that's still out there, so you do have to. That's a that's a huge market. It's three or four billion people. That it's still a huge market to go after. That you have to kind of hopefully bring along the process. So it is good to get that insight, the different perspective. And obviously, I, I think you, you see it a lot more than I do on a daily basis. But to get that perspective on things is probably it's it's a great it's a great part of the show. I think is always to get that international uh, angle on things as well. So um, it's it's nice to get that there.
2: Yeah, and you know, and in particularly in those in those emerging markets, it, it's also really critical that they uh, that they have, you know, uh, access to new and lower cost types of, you know, types of services and types of players, you know, they don't always have uh, the same types of devices, the same manufacturers. And you see a lot of movement from the Asian manufacturers, for example, to bring those devices into those markets, you know, that we haven't seen in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And obviously, too, I think uh, I think, uh, I think uh, at least domestically looking out, outside is I know uh, I think Wheeler, SEC Chairman Wheeler was there as well uh, on his uh, net neutrality tour, I think you can call it, trying to convince everybody that uh, that whatever happened here in the U.S. is still a, a good thing. But uh, I'm sure they got a lot of attention as well at the event. But uh, yep. uh, I know at least in the D.C. area, that's that's a big topic of discussion as well. <laughs>
2: oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, around the world, people are looking at what the U.S. is doing with net neutrality as a as a future indicator for the mobile space as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll definitely be one of those topics we're going to cover here for quite quite a bit longer. But uh, hey, Dan, we definitely appreciate the great insight. Thanks again for for catching up with us on on what happened at the show. I know we talked before the show. I think we talked during the show, and now after the show. I think we had a pretty exhaustive view of the show. For those of us who didn't go, I think we can feel like we actually we're actually there this year. So we definitely appreciate the insight on that. Thanks again for taking the time to speak with us today on on the topic.
2: Always a pleasure.
0: Great, thanks a lot, appreciate it again. And, and again, for more news on the Mobile World Comics event, please check out the RCR Wireless News website, as well as the RCR TV site, where we have literally hundreds of videos, interviews, and demonstrations from the show. Uh, again, again, thanks again, Dan, for the time, appreciate it. All right, well, on our next topic here, um, I recently had the chance uh, to speak with Diego Lopez, who was the technical manager of Etsy's NFV program, as well as head of technology exploration at Telefonica, about Etsy's work in the NFV space. Lopez talked about Etsy's latest push into phase two of its work, as well as the challenges Etsy has tackled in unifying interests behind NFV.
1: Well, it has been interesting times. You know, we were were trying to uh, uh, define rules. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure, Etsy was helping us because Etsy has a very uh, well-established set of rules. but on the other hand, we were trying to force or uh, to stretch those rules uh, be, uh, a little bit beyond, because we wanted to be rather dynamic. You know, standards bodies are very much, uh, very often criticized to be slow, have, <laughs> moving at a very slow pace, being too formal, getting getting uh, um, stuck with the, with the formalisms, and uh, we wanted to avoid that. Yeah, because we wanted to to make this a, a quick. And, and strong impact in the, on the industry. And it was curious because we were, we were at the same time uh, trying to follow the rules, but at the same time inventing new ones, and well, uh, uh, working very hard with the people from Etsy that were extremely helpful to us in finding new mechanisms that were in spirit as formal as the formal rules, mm-hmm. But in practice, they were much more agile, and this is something that we we, we found extremely uh, useful for us because it helped us in, in moving fast, but without losing uh, the uh, well, without uh, uh, losing to have our, our feet on the ground. So we were we were in connection with reality, and that you will have to you have to follow a reasonably open mm-hmm. and effort process. Because at the end, otherwise, it's just what a bunch of friends have written on a, on a, on a, pe- on a paper. And, and, and we wanted to, to make something mature, uh, with much more, but much a higher relevance in that sense.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess that's a key thing. Because it does seem like, you know, when it comes to the virtualized world, at least as it comes from the IT or perhaps the data center space, is that it seemed it, it was a much more uh, malleable type of environment there. There weren't, there weren't like a set set of standards that people had to follow. I mean, obviously, in the telecom space, as you know from your, your other job as well, uh, that, you know, in the telecom space, I mean, standards are key. I mean, 3GPP sets out standards, and these things are there, and, and it's you have to follow them, or there's no interoperability and things like that. It seems like, at least in the virtualized world, that there can be perhaps a little bit more uh, on-the-fly adjustments that can be made. And so perhaps, I did, like you said, did it seem like it made it perhaps easier uh, for you guys to, to maybe not set things in stone, perhaps, because, again, th- these things can be uh, a little more adjustable on, on the go.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when, when you think about the, the virtualized world, in the virtualized world, things are more adjustable because you have standards for, for doing so. I mean, if, uh, if you think, for example, all the uh, all the virtual machines that you're moving around are based on, on essentially the description of the virtual machines is mainly using OVF,
2: mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm.
1: standard. The point is that yes, it's true that you're, you're it probably you can uh, deploy some uh, adapter in the middle if you need to to do something, but at the end you have to rely as well in some in some uh, in some uh, rules that guarantee you that you can move from one provider to another provider, and apart from that. At the end if what you want to uh, deploy is precisely communicating systems and you want to warranty that they are communicating systems that are able to provide a worldwide service in an open way and you are not allowed because this is something that is uh, probably is the curse and the well and the blessing. somebody says of the <laughs> Telco world is that you, you, we, we are not uh, one band company. Uh, well, sorry, one man bands. Yes. it's not that I have my systems, my systems talking to my internal databases, providing my users that identify with my uh, directory, and that I connect using my messaging, <laughs> uh, my integrated whatever. Uh, my problem is that I have to connect with the people that are competing with us in our in our countries in my, in my footprint and worldwide. Yeah, and I have to allow my users to migrate in well, depending on the country, that depends about the, even in the orders of hours to say I don't want to be with you any longer. I move to another another uh, competitor, and I have to allow them to migrate in terms of hours. I guess. Well, I, I I'd love to see that happening in the uh, in what is called the so modern internet uh, service. <laughs> I I don't know, but if I wanted to move everything I have in Facebook to Google Plus, for example, how long would it take? You know? Yeah. Why? Well, essentially because we are obliged to use standards. They, they are not because they have everything is a single monolithic uh, uh, service or the other way around is is take it or leave it. I mean this is my API. you don't like it. forget about it <laughs> this, is, this is the situation so we we are in that in that um, in that uh, position right, and we have to somehow reconcile both worlds on the virtualization, this agile um plug and play and and well apis like approach. Uh, when well, it deals with internals, but uh, connecting and attaching everything like this with uh, with external um, with, with external standards interfaces.
0: Well, I mean, I guess, so how is that progress coming along? Because again, it does seem like that at least from a, a, a standards issue, a standards problem, I mean, you guys are doing a lot of work, but it seems like the, the vendor community and the market itself is really driving. I mean, I mean operators are, are announcing that they want to have NFV in their networks pretty rapidly here. Uh, but it still seems like there is this kind of, you know, that, that the things are still not quite set in stone to make this work right. I mean, is that the ongoing challenge for, for not just Etsy, but for the whole industry is to make sure that, you know, that obviously you want to have progress, but you have to make sure that uh, that this is smart progress, not just throwing stuff out there and hoping you can fix it later.
1: No, here, here there is something something that when we started all these NFV, something that we uh, used to uh, show was precisely a diagram of what we, how we saw the um, innovation cycle in the telco world. It was about, you, came, you originally came with an idea, you then go to a standards body, you fight for three, four, five years discussing about the standardization and then you could start implementation. And then you uh, go for t- inter uh, well, conformance testing, and then interoperability testing, and then you can deploy. That normally we're talking about uh, cycles in the best case five years, in the normal case of eight years. And this is something that we uh, we were aware yeah. we uh, afford any longer. And as I said before, that we were setting the rules, we were using them. In this case, it's a little bit the same. I mean, we 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 have been trying to uh, explore new ways of, uh, of um, achieving these innovation cycles inside the, uh, the industry, exercising them, as, uh, uh, them at the same time. And precisely these POCs and this way of collaborating, of, of setting a very tight uh, schedule to produce the principles in a very di- very direct collaboration between vendors and, and operators. Well, I, I would say the, uh, the, this approach has paid. And this is something that right now, frankly, I would not say that we still have uh, at hand either 100% perfect products to provide this, like probably the ones that were available for the uh, radio um, uh, deployments when we start with uh, 3G or something like that. And uh, and that uh, I would not say that services that have been announced by, by many operators, among, among, among them uh, ourselves, are 100% in agreement with the, all the principles. Because we have been, as I said, doing, learning the, about the new innovation process that we were inventing it. On the other hand, we are very glad that we managed to, to do what you mentioned, precisely mm-hmm. in two years' time to, to have a bloom of, uh, of uh, announcements, products, services, pilots, etc. Yeah, you know, it's been
0: impressive to watch. I mean, obviously, you know, the past two years, like you said, have been amazing in the in, in the rapid uh, uptake and the rapid uh, announcements that come from the NFT space. I mean, you know, three or four years ago, this was not even a topic, at least you know, broadly discussed. And now it seems like it's just come out of nowhere. Operators are announcing, vendors are announcing, you guys are moving quickly at Etsy. Uh, it's been impressive to watch. And like you said, though, it is, it is uh, uh, you know, we're probably not quite there 100% yet, but Obviously, it seems like the market is moving, at least in the right direction uh, for the most part.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and uh, well, I, I must confess that in that respect, you feel like uh, changing a little bit the world, and this is really, really rewarding, you know. Sure. And yeah. And, and and as I said, the, what what something something that I, I try to say very much is that maybe that in you know five ten years time we will be looking at how the uh, uh, common network uh, um, infrastructure practice will evolve and probably it will not be as we imagine them uh, right now <laughs> but i think that uh, the event of NFD uh, uh, will uh, imply a, a real breakthrough in the uh, in the in the process mostly in shortening this process that it was so lengthy and so so, uh, well, it was somehow ossified in the sense that everybody was used to this. Well, has been, and it still happens, uh, it's, uh, all this is, has to bring a strong cultural change, not only inside operators, inside vendors as well, inside integrators, because all of us are used to long uh, uh, innovation cycles, long life Life cycle of, the, of a certain technology, long uh, periods of testing, deployments, exploitation, and re-engineering, deployments again. And Well, this is going to change and we we have to get to, used uh, to shorter, much shorter uh, cycles.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, again, I know there's a lot of talk outside or inside the industry about, you know, the move to 5G, for instance. And it seems like, you know, we just got the 4G and already we're talking about 5G. And the time you know, the timeline there is, seems like it's shorter than it was from three g to four g but again when you look at the new world of virtualization, perhaps virtualization can allow that more rapid time frame for things to to evolve i mean obviously you know it's, it's a different a little bit different world, but uh, it seems like things are moving a little little quicker at least
1: well definitely i mean I, i'm involved in the uh, European initiative for 5 g as well uh, essentially because uh, well this year in Europe we have managed to convince the um, the people who were supporting this initiative, that virtualization was an essential uh, component of, of 5G as well. That 5G is not only, for sure, 5G is, is about uh, a, new mobile, um, a new mobile network and a new, uh, well, not mobile, a new pervasive network, a fully pervasive network. But, uh, but, but we believe that to, to, uh, to, to do so, the infrastructure must be heavily relying on virtualization and on software principles. And yeah. um, this is something that, uh, for sure, will yeah.
0: be. Great insight there from Diego on the NFC's on uh, NFV uh, phase 2 work. Uh, even more so considering that Diego was fighting a wicked cold at the time. But uh, he did a really great job with that. Uh, and for more on the interview, uh, including background on, uh, on Etsy's NFV phase 1 work, uh, check out the RCR TV site as well. Well, that'll do it for this week's NFV SD and reality check. I, again, want to thank uh, my guest for the show today, Dan Hayes from PWC, for joining us live as well as Diego Lopez for providing us a great insight into the NFV space. And also thank our uh, Austin crew for putting this all together. Another great job by you guys. Uh, and again, make sure you guys check us out again next week for the next uh, edition of uh, NFV SDN Reality Check. Thanks.